1: I'm Matt Davis. You're here with me in Parts Unknown as we continue our look back at the WrestleManias of yesteryear with some of the baddest brothers and sisters to ever lace up a pair of boots. We've got badass Anton Tullui from Sky Sports News. Hello there. The whole effing show, Karl Anker. Four. And the tenth wonder of the world, Dr. Carrie Dunn. Hello. This time we're looking at WrestleMania 28 from the sunny Sun Life Stadium in Miami, Florida. The theme is Once in a Lifetime. For a lot of us, though, it's Please God, Never Again. What are we talking about? Girls Gone Wild, the Divas package in the Divas match. Uh, We're going to start with it, Carrie, because it's topical. It's something that we uh, spoke about in our WrestleMania 29 review. Women, not a prominent part of this one, although there was a women's match. Before it, though, we got a sensational package on the Divas. uh, And I think Nikki Bella summed it up better than I can. There's no limit to what we can do as WWE Divas. I've been to premieres, walked red carpets.
2: Yeah, the whole video package is incredibly sad. So they're talking about kind of this glitz and glamour of being a WWE diva and it's kind of very firmly this whole divas concept at this point. They're not superstars. They're not wrestling. If you watch that montage, wrestling is notably absent of not they do. They do dancing. They do kissing. They do photo shoots in bikinis. They don't do any wrestling. And then it goes into when they have this Divas tag match. I just felt so sorry for Beth Phoenix. Oh, my good God. I mean, even Eve got reasonably good by the time that she left kelly kelly was always shit but um well there, we, uh, you say Jesus.
1: that so so the match was maria menounos and kelly kelly uh, beating Jesus. beth phoenix and eve torres maria menounos who, who has appeared at every wrestlemania for the last 10 years she's a tv <laughs> presenter in the u.s at this point she had two stress fractures in her feet and two cracked ribs that she'd sustained from yes. dancing with the stars uh, obviously she then pins the champion beth yes. to win the match um you mentioned kelly kelly my note here, she was the last crappy diva, the last crappy women's wrestler who got like a prominent push. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? That
2: would be absolutely fair to mean, The woman couldn't even run the ropes. I mean, she still can't run the ropes when she came back for the, for the women's, women's Rumble. But, but Kelly Kelly's entire WWE career was just bizarre. And the storyline is kind of leading up to this point in her championship run. She, her entire character is that she deserves rewards for being beautiful. And then she gets kind of put in this feud with Beth and Natalia, and it's billed as them being jealous of her all the time because she's beautiful. And it's just, oh, God, it's the most typical WWE diva storyline ever. And Kelly Kelly is a terrible actress and a terrible wrestler. And it's just hideous to watch. And I'm embarrassed to have over it.
1: But why did they call her Kelly Kelly when she is yes, Nominative Determinism's a- Barbie Blank? That is actually is. her name.
2: <laughs> determinism's, but it's a really good wrestler name as well, isn't it? No idea. <laughs> Kelly squared.
3: The whole thing was embarrassing. I think... In some ways, I don't. I don't even think we need to talk about the match. It's it is the VT, isn't it? This is the this is the disgustingly embarrassing thing because so you've got. The so-called div- Divas division, tilting their heads coyly, hair tussle suggestively, arse jiggling, vacant, dead behind the eyes look. Because they know there's a bunch of sweaty guys in their forties choking one off to an image of a submissive and silent Kelly Kelly. Or whoever else they want to sexually and socially subjugate. That's all it is, basically. It's effectively what that pa- package was, is not it? Yeah, it wasn't cool. Um, and, and, and then you get to the match and the opening line is, like uh, Carrie just said, Michael Cole says it's all down to jealousy. And you think, well, what? Hang on, what? what, what has everyone got to be jealous about? What's? Why is Manu it? here? It's just so much, so much. And then they start with the whole st- double stink face, which which Lawler volunteers to like get his head involved and be part of the double sweet face, as he calls it. Oh, oh! It makes me. It makes me ashamed to have a penis. Um, Beth Phoenix,
1: now the wife of Edge, of course. Do you think that she feels like she was born 10 years too early because she would have slotted beautifully into the current women's division and, and she had to deal with a lot of dross in her career uh, basically massively. instead? I think it's interesting that whenever you speak
3: to Natalia or when Natalia ever talks about, you know, her journey, the first person she mentions is Beth Phoenix. I know they're very good friends, but she, you know, in terms of she was the one that deserves the recognition that probably Natalia's getting now.
1: Whilst we stick with the um, the female theme, let's go to the the opening match of the night: Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus. Um, AJ Lee's role. She was the manager of Brian at this point. He was the world champion. He turns around to give her a pre-match kiss, walks into a brogue kick all over in 18 seconds. We've spoken about um, what AJ's been up to at the last few manias, Carrie, and here it was her fault that her man lost the title. It was all her that did it.
2: This is what comes out in the next few weeks. And there's a really uncomfortable bit, I think, in the following Raw, where Brian starts shouting at her when she's trying to explain and he's going, no, you don't get to say, well, you don't get to rewrite history. You don't get to say what you think, this is all your fault, and I'm like, how is it her fault? You've literally just showed the video package. You call her over for a kiss. She kisses you again. No one challenges this something that is completely and visibly wrong and just really, really mean. And again, yes, okay, Brian's supposed to be a heel, but he's not really a heel. He's a heel in that Brian kind of way, in that everyone still kind of wants to cheer and they want to see him do well. Yeah, it's awful. It's awkward, and yeah wwe hates women
1: so therefore carl this is something that i'm quite big on in that wrestlers need to take a bit of culpability for things themselves and it's quite easy to say well that's the way that i was booked but when you're an adult you should be able to say this is rubbish i'm not doing it i've got a better idea we lavish daniel bryan with praise quite rightly everybody loves him um we're recording this off the back of greatest royal rumble where he spoke about what an honor and a privilege it was to be in saudi arabia uh, here he played a character which you know was 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 pretty verbally abusive certainly um, to a woman who he subjugated does he get away with that because he's Daniel Bryan should we be giving him a bit more stick for his his part in this yeah we should um
4: something that particularly stuck out in regards to WWE now and WWE back in the day is uh there's this interview where Stone Cold Steve Austin talks about how He becomes Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he goes, They're giving me the character names, they want to give me the ring they want to give me this, they want to give this, and uh, they want to come like Fang McFoom or Killer Frost or something, rather. Yeah,
1: Ice ice Freeze, Chili McDagger, yeah. all sorts of yeah, Something, yeah.
4: rather. And Stone Cold goes, Absolutely not, I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and, and I think it's like an interview he does with a Heyman or he has a discussion with Ambrose where Stone Cold basically goes, This is how I rejected storylines that were given to me, and Dean's like, Nope whole new world now you cannot if vince wanted stone cold to be the ringmaster now stone cold is the ringmaster that's it you can't um complain which oh damn it is it is very uncomfortable and you would like daniel bryan to 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 push back and say come on mate i'm not doing this but from from what we understand it's very much you're in or you're out and we already know daniel bryan's been fired once from wwe for strangling someone with a tie we know that brad maddox was once fired for calling a crowd pricks rather than losers if i remember correctly Uh, when you have a boss who can fire you because he didn't like the way you entered the lift i imagine that stops a lot of people standing up for their principles are they still principles if you're afraid to stand up for them that's that's a wider conversation for later
1: you're listening to the parts unknown wrestling podcast from muddy knees media all right, well, let's get on to the good stuff about this show. Um, Taker versus Triple H in Hell in a Cell. Once more, Triple H in the longest match of the night. Um, Anton, I didn't like this match, save for one thing. I thought it was a load of weapon shots with no psychology, except for the always exceptional Shawn Michaels, who played the role of ref here and was magnificent.
3: Yes, but there was a, for me, the narrative got confused when Michaels got involved because Michaels obviously kicks Taker in the face and it leads to sort of a bit of a momentum shift and, and Triple H takes over. But then Michaels stops Triple H from then attacking Undertaker with weapons. So in, that's what I didn't understand about the narrative of the match in terms of you either want him to lose or you don't. Why? Is, is it's so, supposed to be
2: kind of a mercy killing, isn't it? He's trying to kind of put... Bring it all to an end. He doesn't want it to go on any longer than yeah, it really but, uh, has. Yeah, I don't to. want
3: it to end like that. Well, either either you do or you don't. That's that. I mean, I think the match kind of missed its point. I think in some in some elements, it wasn't 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 the greatest. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as I hoped it was going to be. To be brutally honest, and it's, it started off with the stipulation with well, the stipulation or not or lack of stipulation or the, the way it was sold. Uh, In terms of, you know, it was the streak versus the end of an era if if Triple H lost. And then the way the commentators were saying things like Undertaker has cut his hair every day until Triple H accepted the match. And then Undertaker comes in with a low fade mohawk. So either the hair grows in the centre of his head quicker than it does on the sides or oh, what you are saying is ridiculous. Um, So in terms of I know a lot of people that love this match.
1: I just wasn't massively sold. It was Be all honest? about Shawn Michaels for me. Carl, did the actual action between the two competitors draw you in? Was it was it a mixture of sports entertainment and brutality and psychology, or was it just oh, two old blokes match. walloping each other? I
4: probably adore this match. It, it's maybe my second favorite Undertaker at WrestleMania match. It's it, it, like one of the Shawn Michaels matches, and then this, and you know the sweet chin music into the pedigree, and then he still kicks out, and the the storytelling at the end where Triple H is in the corner is like. Oh. Rolls out, hits the crutch shop, and then gets it. A... It's brilliant. This is the best form of Triple H trying to be epic. In that, oh, there's like an emotional stuff other than like underneath all this, other than just let's try and be epic and smash into each other. And like a large part of that is Shawn Michaels being the emotional lightning rod because Triple H can't do vulnerable. Like he tries all the time with, oh, look, I'm I'm a loving husband or I'm a loving. Son-in-law, but he can't do vulnerable. Whereas Shawn Michaels can. Shawn Michaels has that great weird crying face he does all the time. Um, and I completely disagree with your thing about how Shawn Michaels keeps changing his alignment because Shawn Michaels always changes his alignment. Shawn Michaels' thing is deep down he thinks he's evil incarnate.
1: Gary, I really hated how at the end they all hugged on top of the stage and it was all rather self-congratulatory and um backslapping. And to me it spoke to something that happened in the build-up where you've kind of got two Paul Levesque's for me. You've got Papa Paul, the godfather of NXT who loves uh, building new wrestlers and creating new stars and then you've got Triple H who in the build-up to this match basically said, there's nobody on the roster who is worthy of facing me or facing you, so we'll do it together and show them how it's done. And that's what I felt we got in the backslapping. look at all three as top of the ramp at the end of it
2: in what universe was something involving undertaker triple h and Shawn michaels not going to be a self congratulatory <laughs> wank fest at the end seriously come on matt
3: can i just add a,
1: as well insert generic sledgehammer moan here okay yeah if you if, if you're playing parts unknown bingo you can tick that one off your list so we'll come to another wank fest shortly uh but in between that let's let's look back at cm punk versus chris jericho um Some terrible acting from Punk earlier in the night when Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, the then Raw GM, soon to be dual GM, told him that the match would be um, a no DQ. If he was disqualified, he would lose the title anyway. That was that was the stipulation, wasn't it? The build up to this had all been Jericho winding Punk up about his dad's drink problem, his sister's substance abuse. The fact that that Punk was a bastard, according to Jericho. It's better, I guess, Carrie, than I'm the best in the world, no, you're the best in the world. Um, but It wasn't a great build, but it turned into a very good match, I thought.
2: It was a good match. Um, I also enjoyed uh, Jericho's sequined best-in-the-world trunks. I always enjoy Jericho's ring gear. He pays attention to sparkle, which I think is important. Um, but by that stage, I was kind of fairly sure that Punk was going to retain because, you know, adding in pointless stipulations earlier on in, like, tends to mean that so it kind of that additional stipulation took away some of the drama for me as well i think
1: so we've gone carl from um chris jericho versus fandango to versus cm punk he's, he's got quite a checkered wrestlemania career i think jericho if you look at it but th- this is up there with with some of the best stuff he ever did on the uh, the grandest stage of them all i will keep saying this on this podcast chris jericho is wrestling's david bowie
4: um just endlessly versatile has his berlin trilogy some we'll figure out ways Berlin trilogies um, somewhere or another. Again, this is another WrestleMania where CM Punk should be the main event. The build for this very famously was kind of ruined by Dirt Sheets and Reddit. So famously, Jericho returns and is meant to win the Rumble but that gets leaked out so they change that last minute to give to Sheamus so that's why Sheamus has this nothing 18 second thing with Daniel Bryan and Jericho just has the feud with CM Punk anyway. Um, there's a really good fan promo trailer for this on YouTube which recuts it all and puts more of the best in the world thing up um, which I really enjoyed and yeah again kind of has this thing that you get with a lot of Jericho matches in WrestleMania where it's the work rate match and it doesn't quite snap but there is there is a lot of great emotion in this the whole Jericho come on just get DQ'd stuff is great um, should have been the main event is what I just Keep writing down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unless we forget, Anton, we got the great bit in the build-up on one of the roars from the UK, where uh, Jericho showed us footage on the Tron of Punk coming out of a pub earlier that day, and Punk saying, "My friends like to drink. I just wanted a glass of coke and some fish and chips," and the crowd memorably chanting "fish and chips" for about ten minutes. So it did have its its high spots in the build-up, and it delivered on the night. I mean, so. it, that was the best part of the build-up, though, wasn't it? Let's yeah. be honest, and we're saying that as
3: four British people in a room, but. Um, I mean, it's weird hearing the word bastard as an insult in terms of what what's his Dickens? Like, is, that makes absolutely no sense. And having uh, Jericho just shout, How's your father? I think, which sounds like a terrible catchphrase from a Seven sitcom. Like, there should be some sort of <laughs> <laughs> underneath it in terms of while well, he's saying it. It was all very odd. But there were some beautiful sequences in this match. Fantastic, especially towards the end. The Hulkamania into the into the walls of Jericho, and then oh, the Co Breaker into the go to sleep into the walls. Oh, it's oh, it, some of the some of the moves are fantastic, and the little things that these two are brilliant at. And the ending was just superb. From the way the second time that Punk goes to put his submission hold in, and he angles his body slightly further further to the left, so Jericho can't scrappily knee him in the face to get out of it. Perfect. It's the little things that make such a big difference. Every time one of these kicked out of a submission hold, it was scrappy. It was you could see, you know, sort of how you would do it if you were in that position. Or if you were in that position, that's what you do. You try and claw your way out of anything in any in any way you can. It wasn't sort of you know, there was one move where that really annoying way to get out of the water Jericho where you spin your legs and the and Jericho sort of you know goes three sixty and lands horizontally onto the map. But other than that, it was a really scrappy match. And there were some beautiful spots in it as well. I really liked it. It It's such a shame that, you know, him shouting, your father's a drunk, hit me. It's such a weird concept. It just didn't need it. You had the best in the world. Or, and going back to what Carl was saying earlier, trust them to riff. Trust trust these two guys to have enough sort of, you know, spontaneity between themselves to have just a conversation where they, you know, you think they hate each other.
4: The promo where Punk goes, yeah, you beat the Stone Colds and you beat the... You be The Rock. But you were never the man the same way I was the man. While you were Dancing with Stars, I was swimming with sharks. Great line. That's amazing. Um, also, Jericho was, like you said,
3: came back from Dancing with Stars, looked in amazing shape because he'd been doing that and had the mainstream media behind him. He was doing lots of presenting gigs, kind of robot wars kind of things in terms of on the mainstream. WWE loves mainstream. I don't understand why they didn't push this match a bit more and give it more of a... Because Jericho walk. was across cross yeah. among, amongst, amongst the public for once.
1: Next up of the big matches, Rock versus John Cena. Part one, uh, the entrances which took forever, featuring Machine Gun Kelly thankfully pointing out the dictionary definition of underdog. Uh, thanks for that, Machine Gun, if that is your real name. And uh, Flo Ryder, who'd earlier taken out Heath Slater. On and on and on, the entrance was entrances went, and then we got a sucky half-hour match and Big John sulking on the ramp at the end. Would that be an accurate...
2: Yeah I think so but I think you also have to point out the first 15 minutes of that half hour match with them just staring at each other <laughs> and just walking around the ring and trying to bit.
1: recreate what? Rock Hogan from 18 oh, maybe Jesus
2: Christ it was terrible and Cena's STF does he get worse at that as we go through time? It's so loosely held. Like, you could literally just slide out of that. That doesn't even look like a submission manoeuvre. The fact that you, Steve you, Austin told him to do
1: that better and he hasn't yeah. done it is is tells you, I'm not going to go on a John Cena run. I'm not going to go on a John Cena rant. Go John these, Cena. Day, these days he does need a big cuddle and that's effectively what it looks like. Yeah.
3: So.
1: <laughs> um, the build-up to this, Carl, the match was pretty sucky. The build-up was a year in the making and obviously there were highs and lows. During that time, there was some great stuff from Rock. There was even some great stuff from Cena. Um, The stuff where he pointed out that he didn't need his promo written on his arm, I thought was quite an ooh kind of moment. They did their best in what was difficult circumstances in trying to build up a match over the course of an entire year. Disagree. If
4: you want to set your WrestleMania main event in stone, go for it and go for it properly. Like, New Japan is so good at planting seeds for year-long storylines. So Wrestle Kingdom 14 we've just had now, we knew it was going to be Naito versus Okada. And repeatedly, those two would brush each other's shoulders and brush each other's arms in tag matches and whatever, and we'd just look at each other going, eventually we're going to have to go who's the best at the biggest stage of them all. And the storytelling in that one where Naito loses because he goes for one more extra move, which is kind of similar to how this match ends. Uh, If you want to talk about long-term WWE storytelling, the best version of this is... Uh, Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man. Like that, the the decline of the mega powers takes three years in the making. And that's not explicitly, this is what the Re- WrestleMania main event's going to be. This is just like the devolution of two people who used to care about each other deeply, which is what wrestling should be when it's done properly. Like if you wanted to do a year long storyline in modern WWE now, you should have done that with your... Jericho Kevin Owens thing that was pretty much a year's worth of storytelling but they did it for the US title rather than the Universal title again the problem is and we'll get to this when we talk to the about the previous Wrestlemania is that WWE will never ever let anything going on in the present day mean as much as something that happened in the Attitude Era or before because they don't let stuff breathe properly and even the one time where they did try and let something breathe they fucked it there I've sworn now (laughs)
1: Just like the rest of you.
3: Join the gang. <laughs> Joined the gang.
1: I guess um Anton, the, the difference is that they didn't have access to rock every week, so they couldn't they couldn't do those sort no, of little things. I can't believe
3: I agree with you on this in terms of I um I feel like I'm gonna defend Cena, which feels a bit bit <laughs> wrong. In terms of this for WWE to even try this, actually I've I give them a little bit give a bit of credit for it because there was almost a kind of, you know, the interviews were on the road. They filmed them in a very different way in terms of they used the F5 camera and they put it in, in different modes and that kind of thing, in terms of to make it almost feel like kind of it's like a UFC kind of behind the ropes. You kind of sort of feel to the, to the build up, which they hadn't done before, especially for a main event, because with these two huge stars, that again, this wasn't, this build up wasn't for us. This build up was for the mainstream public. This main, this public, the public wanted to, they wanted to bring more and more viewers in and and this is what they were trying to do and they were this trying they were trying I to do it in in a popular way and that's that's why it was filmed this way and they haven't done it since and they they don't know how to how to do that but that's as close as they've ever come to having a slightly more sort of doco feel to it i suppose and that's actually
1: where other sports set their standards these days peak era rock is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. I don't think we've really actually discussed him in a way other than saying he's detracted from the WrestleManias that we've we've spoken about. So it's worth, I think, just giving a mention to the fact that he is a legitimate one of the greatest of all time characters in wrestling. I certainly feel that way. Is that, am I am I off the mark?
2: No, I mean I, I would agree, but I, I think because we're talking about The Rock in this sequence going backwards, and obviously uh, next we're going to talk about WrestleMania 27, and I have a lot of very bad things to say about him. And I don't, I don't mean it in terms of The Rock. I like The Rock as a character, as a wrestler, but his kind of legacy legend appearances have been terrible.
4: I've said this before. He's really bad in PG. Because his whole thing during the Attitude Era was, I'm just going to run through and take the mick out of everything about you and your personality, which was great in the Attitude Era because everyone else was doing it. And, yeah, he destroyed a lot of interesting mid-carders. Rest in peace, Billy Gunn. That was brutal. Um, it doesn't quite work in PG because he just comes out and he does it to Rusev and you're like, leave handsome Rusev alone. Why, why are you being a bully? Because... He's a transplant from a different age. That's 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 a note I had
3: about the previous match as well. They don't know how to build a personal storyline in PG, and again, sort of this is well, Rock is almost the personification of that. In terms of if he's not telling people that, oh, you're going to go and have WrestleMania babies, then he doesn't really know what else to say. Um, And the match itself was kind of, you know, the early stages felt like they were just legitimizing. Rock being back in the ring after nine years away because the rest of the match kind of felt like a house show didn't it in terms of quite a dull match bear hugs, belly to bellies, kind of old fashioned, you, you're just enjoying this because of the personalities and I think WWE thought sophisticated is the wrong word but in terms of they moved on to the attitude era so they were trying to deliver a more kind of family friendly kind of product in terms of mainstream product and this is what I think
1: they thought the people wanted and actually it wasn't very well received by anyone really all right so mixed views on that i would just say as a final sidebar um billy gunn was also torpedoed by the fact that his music uh, contained the lyrics i'm a man's man yet i'm an ass man repeatedly i think he was always sort of behind the eight ball uh, from that period uh, um stick around parts unknown continues we will be continuing our look back at wrestlemania 28
0: next
1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Parts Unknown, continuing our rundown of WrestleMania 28. Other stuff that happened on the card, uh, that's about as good a description as I can come up with for the match between Kane and Randy Orton.
2: Yeah, Um. I didn't care at the time. I don't care now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody else did really, to be honest. I, I, I've noted down that um, I was following it all on Twitter and just the tweets about WrestleMania kind of stopped at that point. Everyone had gone to put the kettle on or something. So, yeah.
1: Carl, do you enjoy the irony uh, of the fact that Randy Orton was once in a group called Evolution and yet he has not evolved in any sense <laughs> whatsoever in terms of his wrestling persona? I would if I enjoyed anything
4: to do with Randy Orton other than his finishing move. <laughs> I very much would like the Christian blue dot over his face. I'm not looking forward to going back in time and having to watch more Randy Orton singles matches.
1: Kane's still knocking about as well, Anton. Um, unbelievably so. At a time of recording, they are counting the votes in Knox County as to whether the big fella will be the mayor there or not. I think we're all hoping that he will be because it means that he won't be in Royal Rumble main events anymore. What can you say about Glenn Jacobs... That is sort of positive uh, in regards to this match and and this whole feud. Oh, um, uh, oh sorry, positive. Um, uh, <laughs> this was this was supposed to be about Kane
3: rediscovering his darkness. This whole match was this was the that was the whole point behind. I oh, know, lost, is not it? Carl's pulling the oddest <laughs> sort of confused face you could you could imagine. Yeah, and it, obviously that didn't happen because Kane only really works when he's coming out of the darkness and doing something sort of dastardly, and obviously we haven't seen that for a long time. And Randy Orton's thing was. They were still obsessed with the punt, which obviously we haven't seen pretty much since the build up. I think to WrestleMania 27, and we've seen it in WWE since. Or... You did
4: it once when he was shooting Big Show in the little phase where Big Show stole the yes jump.
3: Mm. Yeah, good shout. But other than that, in terms of so it was a move they're trying to phase out against a guy they're trying to phase out. Effectively, this is what the match was, and it was. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing really lot to say, is there? No,
1: I think Kane peaked when he was corporate Kane, wearing business slacks to the ring. That was, that was there was something quite wonderful it's about like, that.
4: Kane, I think you can still have a place for Kane, but you should never wrestle matches
1: um another match that happened on this card which i don't think we'll have much to say about big show versus cody rhodes um the build-up to this was basically let's lampoon a long-term employee uh for his failings with us in his 10-year tenure in terms of big show but he finally got his wrestlemania moment um there was there was some mirth to be had in the in the, the promos building up show's previous Mania matches and, and the lack of success therein, but it was pretty um, pretty much filler, this match, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, and then Big Show cried, and, yeah, it faced Big Show doing crying, so there we go.
1: Big Show and Mark Henry
4: once talked about having a tag team called White Chocolate, because of Big Show's <laughs> name. Uh Okay. being the world's biggest tag team. They, they were really pushing for it, and I think they teased it Sometime in two thousand thirteen, fourteen, but uh, I think one of them got hurt.
1: White is in W I G H T. How you spell his surname? Yes, right. Okay. Um, the last match I want to talk about is the twelve team, twelve man tag match. Team Johnny versus Team Teddy for control of both brands. It was all raw faces sucking up to John Laurinaitis. Basically, um, I've subtitled the match: How Zack Ryder lost his balls and his push. Um, at the end he sort of got mercs by his then on-screen valet slash partner slash uh, devil incarnate Eve this is uh, another thing that came up in your superb thesis Carrie about the treatment of Eve and um, my friend John Cena and everything that he'd said about her in the build-up etc and so on you had a story in this match there was a there was something riding on it but they had to tack that on yeah. anyway uh, this was not good
2: no this was not good and again poor eve gets a really really bad deal and particularly when you look at it kind of going backwards as well yeah poor eve what what, what did she really do wrong she's she's a wrestler that's her literal job in this storyline there's nothing wrong with what she's doing she's allowed to be at ringside that's you know she's part of this team essentially but god that whole that whole storyline i' had again i 'd forgotten about the general manager feuding the bellas they 're terrible they can't even read, and they can't say words. What is the point of them that's dreadful it was embarrassing again, another classic wrestlemania for the girls
3: <laughs> this this match makes me grateful for the battle royals we have at Wrestlemania today because this is a classic. We use up the talent we've got. Give everyone a spot on the big stage. Whereas now, also, you can hide that in the, in the, on the pre-show or you can just put 20 people in the ring and just get all that done. Everyone's happy. Everyone gets a moment and that's fine. This, I mean, this was, I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was just awful. The storyline was awful. Like the way, you know, you had um, female flag wavers and two terrible ring announcers, Oksana and Vicky Guerrero with the flag wavers, weren't they? And Owen Swoggle, was, was there Owen well. Swoggle was there as well. was there as well. Again, it's just kind of... And then the whole Eve thing. So you've obviously got the Eve, you know, kind of heel turn at the end. But it was the, it's the way they do it in terms of... So Eve is, you know... I, don't, I can't remember if she had the belt at the time, whether she was, you know, in terms of... She's obviously a former Divas champion at this point. It was the it was mainly before she had the belt because she got to do That's a backstage right. promo with, the with Rock. rock. Yeah. Which we'll talk about next week. Um, yeah, Eve... Eve Obviously, even though it's her, she knows what the rules of wrestling are, because that's her job, uh, she gets so emotional, so she forgets the rules of wrestling. Because you know, because she's there to back her man, and then costs Zack Ryder the match, and then she's overly emotional, and she ends up losing it in a, in a vengeful and vindictive way. It's like, oh, of course, because you know,
2: it's all the emotion. Girls have it, have all of them.
3: I know it's difficult, isn't it? it must be really, <laughs> really difficult. It's yeah, so. <laughs> Going back to what Carl said last week, this is where you had the manhunt and the FBI line from, uh, yeah. from Lawlor again. Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: It was,
3: it's in reference to Eve, is it not? Presumes. I mean, he could have, it could have been about any of them, couldn't it, in terms of that's... He doesn't care. It's just, oh, it's a women's match for WrestleMania. I've got to say something offensive within the first few seconds.
1: Very offensive, this match. Uh, David Atunga was team captain for Raw. I think that's probably <laughs> almost as offensive as, as any of the um, sexist, misogynistic stuff. Drew McIntyre was on Team Raw as well. I'd forgotten about that. It's sad to see him get beaten up by the likes of,
3: you know, Great Kelly and R-Truth, isn't it? When you see him now and the specimen that he is and what he did in NXT and on the Indies, you just think, oh, yeah, they did that to him before, didn't they? (laughs)
1: so as we wrap up we'll finish with the hall of fame um the four horsemen ron simmons yoko zuna mike tyson eek and the star inductee who broke down in tears in a very moving segment edge who we're going to talk about more uh next week in terms of how he went out but well worth the place in the hall of fame not that there's any real criteria to actually get you in there An underappreciated star, Carrie, or is he somebody who did more than maybe he would have been expected to do when he initially came in in that kind of, you know, dark brooding figure in the rafters type?
2: Yeah, I think obviously when, when they came in, probably wasn't expecting that much. I think the thing about Edge is because his career was cut so short so early, because... Obviously, he had to retire very early on, so he gets that kind of early entry into the Hall of Fame, which makes you kind of think, what else might he have done? What else could he have done? You know, he would have been one of the elder statesmen, but then would he have ruined his legacy? Is it better to kind of go out on that kind of high, out in a blaze of glory? I don't know. But yeah, I love Edge. Uh, it was it was it was very emotional.
1: One of the things I really like looking back on this now, Carl, is the fact that Adam Copeland seems relatively happy away mm-hmm. from wrestling and in his real life and that's all too rarely the case. So it's good to see that somebody had to finish not on their own terms, but has made peace with that and found something else to enjoy in their life. Uh I think he's, he's in Vikings now. And I remember expressing shock
4: at him being in Vikings. And then watching him, oh Edge is really good. I'm a friend. Going, you mean the really tall, handsome guy is good at acting? Oh yeah, of course of course Edge was going to be good at TV. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Edge is an interesting one in that when he broke through in the main event, it was stacked. So he absolutely deserves his spot in the main event. But he probably has maybe two or three extra title reigns on him because he was going back and forth with Cena at a time where there was no one else there. It's a bit like how Randy Orton has thirteen title reigns. You know, where, how? It's like all you really need is two long term feuds with John Cena. You'll get to a seven. Um,
1: <laughs> John Cena, I think, owes Edge a big debt of gratitude because he carried him to some unbelievable matches. Um, my, 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 my question about Edge, though, is: Are we the perfect generation to appreciate Edge with the right age?
3: In terms of you yeah, know, remember him sort of what, sort of early twenties kind of when who he was cool and the music was great and he was you know, probably looking back it's sort of quite uncomfortable. He's talking about sex and rock and roll and he's kind of you know, rated R kind of guy. In terms of like, yeah, I can get behind that because that's the stage of my life. I'm kind of think I'm cool and that kind of thing. And then so I'm I'm kind of wondering anybody that's older or younger than us yeah. may actually just think he was just a very good wrestler with a lot of personality. I, I love Edge. I think mean, he's absolutely yeah. When How he comes, just com- the very good wrestler with a lot of personality. I mean, in terms of like, that, just, that, there that's are so, everything you need. <laughs> no, but there, so, but there are so of the many others. Yeah, with in terms of well. there are lots of others in the past that have you know. In terms of I look back and watch early nineties wrestling, I, I appreciate the characters and I lo- but I don't have the emotional connection like no. I did with Edge because oh, it was the right time in my life to appreciate him.
2: I think you're right, actually, Anton. I remember talking to a friend of mine. Uh, she used to watch wrestling when she was a teenager. She's she my age, and I remember talking to her about it. She's like, "Oh, Edge was so good looking." and I think that's kind of part of it this is kind of mid-thirties nostalgia tell tell
3: her to look at him now oh man he's a beautiful man
2: okay well we'll do that next time I see her
3: excellent (laughs) don't carry carry a picture around him have him in your pocket
4: something else that sticks out about the Hall of Fame uh, the Four Horsemen only ran for nine years that's weird like when you consider how long wrestling storylines take and how long stables hang around for in the modern era the fact that the Four Horsemen are one of the most legendary things I can think of we're only around for nine is remarkable especially when you consider how many iterations they had and how long they could have gone NWOs though,
1: and of course this was um, Ric Flair going in for the second time whilst he was still working for TNA a company who he treated horribly when they paid him a ridiculous amount of money uh, and he kind of stitched them up by taking WWE's money um, yet again so that was Wrestlemania 28 Carrie have you got a Wrestlemania moment?
2: Jericho's trunks (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, Anton? It, it's Jericho again, it's Jericho shouting how's your father Just, just, just odd, it's just odd um, Carl, I'm guessing you're going to say Maria Menounos based on No, him,
4: right? it's uh, good old JR on commentary for, for the Hell and Cell match where he calls the Hell and Cell a morally corrupt structure <laughs> <laughs> Jim Ross is amazing When you talk about Hell and Cell, yes Undertaker's been in 60% of the matches and yes Mankind, whatever, Jim Ross's comms on Hell in a Cell matches made that thing a thing. One of my favorite ever descriptions of anything really is when uh, Taker has to face Edge, I think, in Hell in a Cell match. And Jim Ross describes Hell in a Cell like church, many attend, but few understand uh hauntingly beautiful
1: well it's funny you should say that because on the way to parts unknown today i was listening to stone cold's podcast and he's got jim ross as his guest and he describes commentary in wrestling as he said um to to austin steve you provided the music and i add the lyrics and i just thought wow you've just summed up <laughs> the art of commentary absolutely spectacularly um it's a lovely way, it? Why, why is he not still the commentator? It presumably oh. when World of Sport kicks in they'll they'll haul him back in again. Well, I mean, mean, well, I mean
3: watching watching the May Young it was stilted and there were awkward silences and you know, there's nothing wrong with sort of, you know, your power's waning but we've moved on and that's that's not a bad thing at all are you telling me so please tell me your moment is brodus clay mama clay in the bridge club i, mean, I presume that was yes. your favorite part of wrestlemania yeah? yes yep. it absolutely yeah, I it was up.
1: i don't think it was naomi's favorite part of wrestlemania but things yes. would get
3: better for her I've, my notes were just why and three exclamation marks and question marks i, I don't understand why
1: that was a thing it was so bizarre that- I, 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 if you if you didn't see this bit um if you've been watching along with us you may well have skipped this segment brodus clay uh, Asked the audience to call their mummers, which yep. was his gimmick, and, and they cut to somebody actually doing it in the crowd. Even if it was a mark, I thought like, that was great. Like that bit, done. I'm out. And then a load of women in suit, fat suits, came out and danced around. Basically, that's why I was out. Obviously, it was just that's when it was weird and yeah, Racist again offensive, and sexist, yeah, basically and yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be a WrestleMania without a bit of racism and sexism. We would it? didn't have
3: enough in this. So,
1: <laughs> all right, that's WrestleMania 28. Um, Carrie, where can people keep up with you should they wish to do so on the social?
2: On Twitter, at Carrie Sparkle.
1: And Carl? You can find me at Anchorman616. And Anton? At SkyAnton. And you can follow me at MattDavisFC, but more importantly, follow the brand at the PU Podcast. Next week, it's WrestleMania 27, billed as the biggest WrestleMania ever, headlined by The Miz, hosted by The Rock, and hampered by Michael Cole the Jerry Lawler in an actual match. I've been Matt Davis. Tweeters, reviewers, share and subscribe. This has been Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.